And we thank you so much for coming to minister to us tonight. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's, come on, Tim. Somebody else, come on. uh, Yeah. Hey, what's your name? Wesley, come up here. Kimberly, what's your name? Come up here. Come on, Veronica. Come on, Kimberly. Hallelujah. Anyone else with the same name? Yeah. (laughs) Lord, we just surround them. Let's just surround them. Come on, Rella. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Father. Your goodness has just uh, passed our way again to bring this wonderful, awesome couple to us. I thank you for strengthening their bodies for all the travel, the thousands of miles, thousands and thousands of miles that they travel every year, uh, just uh, listening to you and obeying what you have asked them to do. And we thank you for such a pure and wonderful word tonight. Um, Any prophetic words, we speak over those. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord flowing out of both of their mouths. And they're already committed everything to you for these meetings. So we just say the blessing of the Lord is yours. I want you to say it over them. Come on. The blessings of the Lord are yours. The favor is yours. The anointing is all over you. So we say more anointing, Lord. Come on, more, more. Let's splash them with more anointing. Come on, splash. We splash you with more anointing, more understanding, more wisdom in words of knowledge. And in the prophetic, thank you, Father. Let the scriptures just explode before them tonight. Amen. Nice to see you all. Good to be back. How are you all doing? You see, I'm from Iceland and I'm speaking like a Texan. How are you all doing? We were just down in Texas, man, before we came here. So it's, yeah, like I said, it's really good to be here again. And I would like to, just as, uh, as we do everywhere we go, in the beginning of uh, any weekend that we are ministering, to uh, remind all of us what this is all about, why we are here. It's not the prophetic. This is not about the prophetic. It never has been and never will be. You know, the prophetic is a, is a beautiful, beautiful gift given to us by God in heaven to bless the church, build up the church, and so forth and so forth. But let's not get caught up in that. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Ivan and Pastor Dave, and they told me that maybe three of you wanted a prophecy over the weekend. So I think, who are those three who want a prophecy over the weekend? Let me see. No, I'm just pulling your leg. Let's not get carried away in the gift. Let's focus on the giver. Let's focus on Jesus Christ, who is the giver of the gift. Because we are here because of him. We are here because of him. And it's all about him. And it's all for him. And let us never lose sight of the giver because of the gift. Okay. So you guys going to promise me that, that we will keep our focus on him. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. It's so good to be here. Once again, it's so good to be here. You always receive us so kindly with so much love, and we always feel like we're coming home when we come here. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much.
Is there anyone who's been uh, having some strange phenomena taking place in their homes? Yeah. Like hearing a rush of wind or something in your home. Yeah? Or anything similar? Glory clouds, yeah? Yeah? No, 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 not necessarily demonic. There's something unexplainable. You know, some of you in here tonight, a few of you raise your hands. Some of you here tonight are going to be experiencing that in the days to come. Something supernatural taking place in your home. God reminding you of who he is in a supernatural way. Because some of you he has chosen to be more sensitive than others in the supernatural, in the supernatural realm. So don't be surprised. It's going to increase. I just saw wind coming blowing into some of your homes. And that's a really strange thing to see a wind. I've seen the wind when the wind comes, and it's really exciting. It's really, really beautiful. So, yeah. There is favor of you guys. There is godly favor over this church and over you as individuals. I don't want to stop speaking. Why don't you take a seat? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, good evening. Oh, gosh, there's no translation. translation. I just had culture shock. I get so used to having to pause for the translators. <laughs> oh, I can talk. <laughs> no, it really is wonderful to be here, and uh, it really is coming home for us and for me. And so thank you for being family. And um, we love what God is doing in this place. You are a harvest field for the kingdom of God, and the favor of God is indeed upon you. And um, tonight, I want to talk about shifting atmospheres and how we can participate in shifting earthly atmosphere to bring heavenly atmosphere in a very practical way because all of us can do it. We are meant to live on earth as it is in heaven. And there is one thing that releases heaven on earth really, really powerfully and really, really easily, and it is when we hear the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord changes everything. And in Psalm 29, verses 4 to 8, which is one of the most amazing scriptures, where it says the voice of the Lord is powerful. It's not just a voice, but it's what it carries. It's majestic. It splits the mighty cedars. It shatters the cedars of Lebanon. It makes the mountains, Le Lebanon's mountains, skip like a calf. It makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. Like this is power. And the voice of God has this. It is this strikes with bolts of lightning. It makes the barren wilderness quakes, quake. It makes the wilderness, it shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. It twists mighty oak, 
rocks and strips the forest bare. That is the voice of God. And the voice of God is completely supernatural. There is nothing normal about humans hearing the voice of God. It is completely divine. It is holy to hear the voice of God. The fact that God will talk to us. And he talks to us, and he talks to us, and he talks to us, but really, who is really listening? And he will listen who is following. You see, it's hearing. It is believing. It is following. If we don't believe, we don't follow. We can hear, but if we don't believe, we don't follow. And it is that gap. We have to close the gap of, I heard and follow, we need to put the belief part in, the real belief part in, so that we can follow, because the voice of God has all those things and more. Who can resist that? See, the world, the earth knows that, the sea knows that, the winds and the storms, the devil and all the hosts of hell know that, but we don't. And that's really, really sad that we don't. Because we have the greatest, most powerful thing ever. God sent. The voice of God. God sent. The voice of God that comes through uh, to us personally when he speaks comes to us through scripture. The power of the word of God in the scripture is, the, is his voice on earth and prophecy. The three main ways when we hear the voice of God and it gets released on earth and it comes with all those things that Psalm 29 tells us when we know that's what causes when we believe it and then we release it on earth as it is in heaven. See, there's Nothing more powerful than to live in the place of it is written or God sent. Like that's it. That's our refuge and our strength. Is it is written or he said. Because the word of God is Jesus. We know that. The word of God is him. John 1, 1, he's the word. And so that's why it's so powerful. Because it actually is him. So... See, when we find our refuge in it, everything changes. And we, I was recently talking to someone, a, a pastor somewhere, and uh, he said to me, he was telling me how they went on a trip, and it became one of the most terrible things, the worst probably of their lives, filled with all kinds of disasters, like for real. And so it was, but I mean, it was actually horrible. Everything that happened, everything that could go wrong went wrong really, you know, with increase. And uh, he said to me, the problem is, I don't understand, we don't understand. Before we left, we prayed Psalm 91 over us and over the trip, the journey. And we put a fence of protection of Psalm 91 around us. And we went, you know, safe, feeling safe because of it, and then it didn't work. Why would Psalm, Psalm 91 not work? 
you know, how come the devil could get through and do this and that and cause some of the disasters we had if we had, we declared Psalm 91. And I said to him, well, there is actually a very, very powerful reason for that because all the blessings of Psalm 91 are conditional. That's a conditional scripture. And we need to obey and pay attention to conditions. If you do, then this will happen. This will come. There is a condition in there. You know, and I said to him, Psalm 91 says, starts with verse 1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest, and then it goes down. All these things will come. Are you living in the shelter of the Most High? What is your shelter and your refuge? Your situation, your money, your circumstances, or your health, or your peop or people around you? What is it? Because that's what determines what happens next. And then in verse 9, we have a second condition. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter again. You see, if you make him... Verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. You see, I will protect those who trust in my name. See, those who do this, then we'll get that. So when we read this Holy Scripture, it is a powerful, powerful thing. But you see, making him a rescue, a refuge, a shelter, Making him all these things that Psalm 91, for instance, tells us is believing his word. When you believe what he says and make that your shelter, your place of refuge, those are the wings we go under, under the wings of the Almighty. He said, it is written. He said, it is written. That's all it takes. He said, it is written, and I'm hiding in there. See, when adversity comes, we are funny people because we, we like to strive. We learn to strive. In the world, we strive for everything. And so, you know, we know when in the day of adversity, with the Lord's help, we just, you know, have this constant attitude of, Okay, I will go, and with the Lord, when the day of adversity, with the Lord's help, I will face the troops. And in the day of adversity, with the Lord's help, I will climb the wall. And sometimes, yes, we have to, we do that. But there is a psalm that says, and it's the most powerful that comes along with this, and it says, in the day of adversity, the Lord will hide me. And he will lift me up and put me on top of a high rock where the winds or the storms, you know, where the predators cannot get us. He will place me in a high place on top of a high rock on the day of adversity. That happens when we believe what he says. See, when you believe when he says, it is written or God said, then in the day of adversity, he hides you in the refuge of his word, and places you on the high rock where no wolf can get you, no lion can reach you, no mountain goat can get there, you know, to take from you in the day of adversity.
It is so much easier if we hide in him, if he hides us and he fights for us. See, the word of God, because it is alive, fights for us. You can fight circumstances or you can let the word of God fight for you. And then you are hidden. See, you hide under the shelter. You make that the word, what he said, your shelter, and that word becomes the stronghold against the enemy. Protects you, hides you, and fights for you. That's because it's a two-edged sword. It's a weapon. Roman says, you know, put, use the sword of God in the armor. You know, the word of God, the truth, what God said, and it is so simple. It is written or God said. That's all it takes for us to be there, to be hidden and be at peace, hidden. Like when David was hidden in the caves of Adullam. You know, it was a refuge. It was an amazing place that even though his enemy was outside that cave and actually went to the bathroom there, he didn't find him. He was hidden in a refuge. He was hidden, and David cut the corner of his robe because he was there, but he couldn't find him. He couldn't see him. He couldn't. You see, he was so hidden, so protected in there. And if you have been in there, have seen the cave of Adullam in Israel, and you know, it's in the wilderness. It's the most amazing place. It's actually weird, but it is God because he creates refuge. And in there, it is rock everywhere, and there is nothing. Exactly where that cave is, is desolate desert, and there is, no, there is nothing, no life anywhere except outside that cave. There's a waterfall that falls right on the mouth of the, or the entrance of the cave. So thick that doesn't, if you look at it, it's impossible to know that there is a door behind it. That there is a, a cave, the mouth of it or the openness of the cave is behind it. See, the Spirit of God will shelter us like that waterfall. And because of that amazing waterfall, it's the only place where anything green grows in the whole area. So they could actually get some, you know, green things to eat, but animals came to drink in there, to drink water so they could hunt and eat. A place of provision in a hidden place. You see, and that is, that it was a place of safety, but in that cave was where David and his mighty army were shaped. They were fashioned into the mighty warriors and the victors that they became. It was in the cave of Adullam. And that is where we need to learn to live in these times and seasons, in whatever is happening, whatever will happen, whatever, every day of our lives. There is nothing more uh, safer than that. It is written, or God said, circumstances come, bad news come, and challenges come. You can find refuge in it. And then you find, you get fear, you get 
worries, you get, you know, stress, you get anxiety, you get all kinds of problems happening. If you find refuge in that, in the bad news that come and the situations and in the world and life and everything and finances or whatever happens, you can find refuge in it, but you have a choice. You can find your refuge and your strength. You can go into that cave of safety and you will be fine. It is written, or God said. That's why we need to know the word of God. You know, we, know, we have to, it's not just because pastors just, you know, push it and push it. It is because we need it. Because we need to know what the Bible says because this is the weapons we have to fight with. How can you make it a, a refuge if you don't know it is there? David obviously knew somehow that there was a safe place in there. That he could go in with his people and be safe in the cave that no one knew was in there because, like I said, it's impossible when you can look at it to know that there is a dwelling place inside of it, behind it, I mean, behind that waterfall. So, it is written, or God said, that's all it takes to be safe, to make him your refuge, your shelter, to go under the shadow, to be hidden in the day of adversity. As we walk into the promises of God, the destiny and see scripture come to pass in our lives. You see, because otherwise you become a prey of discouragement, fear, and intimidation. And then it causes you to run away, to step out. Bad experiences will push you away. And you give up and end up the enemy steals, kills, and destroys, which is what he wants. That's his job. He's good at it. But we can be better than it. King Saul was good and his armies were good. But King David was better than them. You see, God was on his side. God is on our side. And Jesus shifted atmospheres on earth. I love how Jesus did it. Everywhere he went, he shifted the atmosphere. And in John 5:19, he said, the secret was, I only do what I see my father do. And I do it in like manner. I imitate him. Therefore, by doing what his other father do, he shifted the atmosphere. The will of God got released on earth. And the will of God will always shift atmospheres. And then in, uh, and I will unpack this in a minute, in John 14, 10, he said, if you don't, saying, if you don't believe in me because of what you hear, believe because of what I say, what you hear me say, because, uh, because of what I say, sorry. If you, do, you don't believe in me because of what I say, believe in me because of what you see. You see me do the works of my Father. And then he said, you know, because, and then uh, he said later on in John 14, and then later on he says, because, I only say what I hear my father say. See, I only do what I hear my, see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. And it is when he said, you know, the son does not speak anything of his own, but only that which he hears the father say, he says. You see, and that is, again, is that place of God said, it is written or God sent. 
that we need to learn to live in that place. And you will see the will of God released on earth and shifting the atmosphere. Now, we do this in, some, in several ways. You see, and, but it is learning to live by every word. Learning to know what does God say? What is God's will in this situation? What is his will? And we do it. And you can go around saying, but I don't know the will of God, and I'm praying, and I'm asking him. See, we know the will of God. There are two levels or two realms of the will of God, and it is the general will of God. God has a general will. The general will of God is in Scripture. The Bible tells us the general will of God. But we also have the specific will of God for each situation. So that's the thing. So we get the general will of God from the Bible. And it tells us what God wants to do about everything. What is his will for us? How to behave? What to do? How to do it in every situation is in the Bible. The specific will of God for every situation, we get it from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the specific will of God for each situation. The will of God is this. So you can go and say, well, the, general, the Bible says that God wants to bless me and prosper me. True, general will. And he will make me the head and not the tail. It's true, general will. Therefore, I'm going to go and do a business and set up a business, and God will bless me and prosper me because the Bible says he will, and I, I'll be the head and not the tail. See, it's applying general will to a specific situation. But if, it, if you don't find out the specific will of God about you doing that, then the general will of God may not work for it. You see, you said that go and do it and end up losing it, everything, end up in trouble. I've seen it happen a lot. Because we act in the general will of God without finding out the specific will of God for me. For this situation, I know your general will is this, and you will bless me and prosper me, which means even if I make a mistake, you will take care of me and help me. So we have refuge in it. The, the general will of God is unchangeable. But when we find out the specific will of God, things get better. And that's when God speaks to you personally or through prophecy. So the Holy Spirit releases, he releases the specific will of God. And prophecy is filled with the specific will of God for your lives, for your situation, for your church, for your life, for your destiny. And God speaks it a lot before storms come so that you know the specific will of God to go through a storm. You see, so you can say, God said, or it is written. He reveals the specific will of God to those who have ears to hear. And eyes to see. You see, you get the specific will of God. And then, it is a whole other level of confidence of being hidden when you know both. And, but there are times, if we don't know the specific will of God, and for whatever reason we're not hearing it, we find refuge in the general will of God. You know, it doesn't mean that if you don't know the specific will of God, the general will of God is void because it isn't. It's just better and easier if you know the specific will of God for the outcome and for a celebration. 
But the general will of God, Jesus died for that. Nothing can change that. Everything in the scripture. So that is why in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. You see, every word, spoken word and written word, every word. He didn't just say only that which is written in the law. He said every word. Spoken and written word, word, word of God. It is written or God said. It is written or God said. What is it written? What has God said? What is it written? We need to live our lives like that. What is it written? What does the Bible say? You can find God's you know, general will for every situation in the Bible. He doesn't need to tell you. Don't cheat on your wife personally. You got the general will of God that says don't. You don't need to pray for a specific will of God about that. <laughs> Should I do it or not? Okay. <laughs> you know? But obey your parents. That general and a specific. That actually has both. General and a specific. Will of God is in that. So you see, what does the Bible say? So that we can live by it. Not just knowing it and making it optional, but living it. Living it. This is a victorious Christian life that the devil cannot overcome. It's a boundary line that he cannot defeat or cross. It's our shelter. It's our refuge. You see? It's our refuge. And at the end, we're going to go through, read Psalm 91 and declare it over us all, over this house and over, you know, our dear Pastor Dave and uh, Pastor Aina. But prophecy, you know, which is filled with general will and a specific, specific will. And you see, it's so important because it is still the voice of God is still the word of God. And in Thessalonians five nineteen to 20, it says, Do not quench the spirit of God and do not despise prophecies. You see, and despising prophecies is as simple as not paying attention, forgetting them. You see, being casual about it. How often are we mindful of the prophecies we have received to make decisions in life? You see, how often do we pay attention and count them in? But they have a prophecy that says this. I just made a decision recently to do something I don't want to do. But I got a prophecy that my God says, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then I thought, oh. <laughs> and when I was facing a situation, I was in this crossroad. You know, I actually, I really, really, really wanted to do something else. Really, really, really. And, but there was that. One little prophecy. It was not even 30 seconds. <laughs> I came in, really? A hiccup would have blocked the whole thing. But this guy didn't hiccup, so he released it. But a hiccup would have stopped him from releasing it. It was that short. But you see, when you when we want, God sent. Because I know if I do God sent, there's power, there's the wilderness will quake. Bolts of lightning will come, God sent. You see? 
It strips the forest bare and twists the mighty oaks. What can stop the word of God? What can stop God's hand? You see, so I stood there and I have to be honest, I wasn't happy, but I took, made the decision that aligned with that prophecy because God said, see, fine, and, and that's it, God said. And he has a pretty good track record, so I know at the end I will be happy I did it. Amen. Yeah, see, at the beginning I don't want to, but at the end I'll be happy to because I know him well enough to know it will be okay. Second Chronicles 2020. With King Jehoshaphat. And in there we know the story, so I'm not going to read it, but in there, King Jehoshaphat, in Second Chronicles 20, the whole chapter was about following one prophecy. It was making a big decision based on one prophecy. Because God said three armies were coming against him. They were pretty much defeated before they, they even faced the enemy. All the circumstances against them, there was nothing, no way they could get through that at all. King Jehoshaphat, little teeny army, there was no hope. They saw the Lord God spoke through prophecy. Go, face them, but don't fight. Doesn't make sense. <clears throat> like, seriously? You know, why not hire giants from other villages, really? There were some around, and we go empowered. That would be a striving. But let's do it, and the power of the horse, not on the might of the Lord. What we can do, not what God can do. <clears throat> but he got a prophecy, so he gathered the people and said, we're doing it. God said, God said, we're doing it. And then he put the worshipers at the front, which meant, you know, we honor God first. We face our enemies worth focused on God, not focused on the enemy. If he had put the army first, he would have been focusing on the enemy. By putting the worshipers first, he was facing the enemy, focused on God. But, you know, and then he went, and, but, and we know the outcome was one of the greatest victories that has ever happened in history, in the history of the world, where God sent ambush the, the uh, scholars and theologians I believe that God angels came to ambush them, to, and therefore they believed. You know, the people, the Bible says they got confused, they were ambushed. But who ambushed them? It was angels who ambushed them, and they believed it was then the, you know, Jehoshaphat's army was ambushing them. So they fought them and they killed each other because they attacked each other, believing it was the enemy, but they turned on each other out of fear. Because an ambush, an ambush releases surprise. The element of surprise releases fear. And so they arrived and the enemies were dead and they collected the plunder instead. Wealth and plunder and riches and, and glory came. The glory of God spread throughout the land and the greatest spoil of all was peace for the rest of their lives. No enemy would attack them. The fame of God, what God did for them was known and no one would dare attack Jehoshaphat or his whole kingdom. Everybody had peace. That's a massive atmosphere shifted, shifting. Not just for him, but for your whole family, for your work, your workplace, for your church, for your ministry. Even you can 
release, bring it to your neighborhood. Where you are, it can come by following what God said. But in verse 20, 2 Chronicles 20, 20, he said, you know, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established or you will be firm and secure. Believe him. See, make him your shelter, your refuge. You'll be established and you will stand, be able to stand firm. You will not be shaken. Believe his prophets and you will, for, you will surely succeed. Another version says you will prosper. You see, that combination is not because the pro, it's not the prophets, it's because of the message God said, the God said part. That's, it's not the prophet, it's the God said. They released the, the voice of God. So God said, you see, and King Jehoshaphat did us too. Great success. We lack that. That's the part that we lack, the, God, the believing it and the following it, the believing and the following it. And that's what I want to tackle tonight. You know, because it's really easy to change, really, really powerful, really, really important how to do this. You see, and we need to understand one thing I want to say about prophecy. The prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says that the purpose of prophecy is to encourage, to strengthen, to edify us, to build us up, to sustain us. But... There is the encouragement part that is highly misunderstood because nowadays there is this belief that encouragement means it makes me feel good. If it makes me feel good, it is encouraging. That is human encouragement, not heavenly encouragement. That's world, the world, world encouragement. You see, it makes me feel good. That is your emotions. It's making your emotions feel good. And many times, that's what we say. Well, it is not. And I have heard people say oh, that prophecy, it is not from God because it was not encouraging. Encouraging, It didn't make me feel good. I just had it happen in Ger Germany, England, who knows, wherever I was last week or the week before. But um, I prophesied over this one couple. And I... At the end, I gave the wife a specific word just for her. And later on, there was in the afternoon session after dinner, I ran into her, got redirected my path. I got lost somewhere and made a turn. There she was. It was appointed by God. And she was there, and she was really, really, really angry. She had been crying and everything. And she confronted me and said, I was not from God. That word you gave me was not from the Lord. And it didn't make me feel good. And it wasn't, you know, anything that uh, fits what I am doing today. I'm doing other things, and, you know, and that is not, it was, it was not a word about what she was doing publicly. It was about her heart, about her. It was very personal. And, uh, but she said, and then you went on and gave exactly what, should have been for me to a woman after me. <laughs> that would have been for me. It was about great ministry and about public things and about, you see, she wanted to be publicly, you know, exalted through prophecy. And it didn't happen, you see, so she was not happy. And then she said, you know, and it wasn't from God. And then I was, I'm devastated because I can only imagine what the true word of the Lord would have been if 
he would have given it to me because that wasn't it. And she started to cry and, you know, and I thought, I, when I can, you know, try to explain to her what that actually means, what the, the prophecy actually meant. But I thought then I'm making it about the prophecy. I don't need to defend it. The word of God can defend itself. And I need to defend myself that I really heard from God it was. I just said, dear, I am so very sorry. I am so, so sorry about this. I was really, I mean, I started crying. I'm thinking, I'm so sorry. This is awful that it hurt you so much. Like, I'm so sorry. And she told me some more about, you know, how seriously I missed it <laughs> and how she wished I had given, she had received the true word of God and not that. And I just, and she was looking at me like, you know, explain yourself or pull another word, another word, another one from the hat. And I just simply gave her a little hug. I wasn't sure if I could even hug her because she was angry, you know. But I just said, dear, I am truly sorry. Like, I mean, there was nothing else I could say. I'm so sorry about this. And then she softened up a bit and said, um, I know you meant well. I, I know you actually. I, I am sure. I am sure you. I am sure. Not I know. I'm sure you meant well. So that's it. And I just walked away and I prayed for her. And I just, you know, I thought the word of God is, if it is, there's a possibility. What if I missed it, really? I mean, I'm not infallible. Only Jesus didn't make a mistake. What, you know, so I don't want to be so proud and say, oh, no, I didn't, you know. But that was not the point. She is more important than that. She, her heart to me is more important than than anything else. And she was hurting regardless. It doesn't matter why. And so, she, to other moment, all that matter was her to me. To me, all that matter was her and her heart. So, I just knew the Holy Spirit takes care of his word. If it is his word, he will take care of it. The word of God takes care of it. It's alive. 24 hours later, we were at the conference again. She didn't come to the next session, and then she was in the next session with her husband. And another one of those big church, lots of doors, halls, I made the wrong turn. Ended up bumping into her again. And this time, she stopped and she grabbed me, but like she did 24 hours before, but this time she had a different look on her face. And she said, I need to talk to you about the word yesterday. I said, because the Holy Spirit unpacked it for me last night, and I got it. And she said, it was amazing. It brought so much freedom to me. It has impacted me. It was so, I'm so grateful. Thank you for giving it to me. But, and she said, I'm so sorry about my reaction. I didn't understand it. You know, but I now do, and she was beaming with joy that God did it. And the Holy Spirit stood by it. I just smiled, hugged her, and said, I am so happy you are blessed. That's all that matters. It's not even, you know, the prophecy itself. It is not that I gave it or not gave it, that 
is meaningless. You're happy. You are blessed. It achieved the purpose. You see, it encourages, strengthened you, and lifted you up. You see now, and that's what happens a lot. We misunderstand encouragement because of what it makes us feel. And that's what she did. It didn't make her feel good because it wasn't what she wanted. So, not from God. But it was because encouragement, the true meaning of encouragement, according to Scripture, the Word of God, is to give, it gives, encouragement means it gives support, confidence, and hope. It has nothing to do with what it makes you feel. But it is, encouragement means it gives you support, it gives you comfort, confidence, and it gives you hope. Those are the three elements of encouragement in the Word of God. You see, so when we understand that, it is not what, how it makes me feel when I get it, when I hear it. It is in the time of need, it will be my refuge. And that becomes my encouragement. You see, the boat becomes the boat through the storm. When you need it, you see, if we say a word of God to be, a true word of God, if the prophecy is from God, then it has to make me feel good, then we can go to Acts. I'm just scrolling through some scriptures to give you the right uh, address. Um, I believe it's uh, in Acts, Acts 21, 10 to 12, when Agabus prophesied over Paul. I said, the owner of this belt... And he tied, I mean, I think this is so phenomenal. He tied his, himself, the hands and the feet, his hands and his feet with the same belt. Like that, to me, that's, you know, massive bondage. Like, I mean, to do, it's like, you know, gymnastics. But he said, that's a kind of bondage he will go into, and he's going to be in prison, and these things are going to happen. Do you think Paul felt encouraged? He felt, woohoo. He probably felt, oh, oh no, you know, I'm going to go through another hard time is coming. But it was incredibly, gave him support. It strengthened him. It gave him confidence when it happened. And it gave him hope that it was the will of God. It was actually the specific will of God. We know the general will of God says, in this life there will be tribulation, and you will go through this, and uh, persecution will come, and all kinds of things. But then when you get the specific will of God like that, that says uh, you'll go through this, it's even more encouraging and strengthening, because it supports you when you are going through it. And so... We need, and there's a story I will tell you in a few minutes, but I'm sure I may have told it before, but I will give it to you at the end for, because it's so powerful. But then, you see, that's what we need to understand, this application of prophecy, so that we can say what God said. So Paul could say, you know, God said when it happened, and it gave him hope that he was in the, specific will of God for his life at that moment. 
You see, that is encouraging, regardless of how it feels and the circumstances, because God has a plan. So, you see, then what the enemy does and how he works is he's very conniving, we know that. But we see how Jesus showed us how to do it. He modeled it for us in Luke 4, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days, no food, no no water or anything, and he had been there, was being tempted by the enemy in many ways, and um, all of that, but now he was coming out of it, he was coming, he was tired, he was going to get a shower, and he was going to get coffee, and he was going to get a sandwich. All was good now, he was coming now, and it was going to be good. Do you see that I said coffee first? <laughs> and so he was coming and out of it. And you know, when you're going through challenges, you're, you, you feel weak. And so that is a perfect time for temptation. And in there, the devil came to tempt him three times. And this was very specific temptations. And this is where we need to keep our heavenly perspective according to scripture. Because the devil only challenges the truth, never a lie. You see, he will never challenge a lie. Doubt and unbelief only arise when you choose to believe the truth. If you are not believing the truth, you will not deal with doubt and unbelief. If you are choosing to believe a lie, you will not have to deal with doubt and unbelief. The devil will cheer you on. We'll make sure you're not discouraged believing that, believing a lie. You see, have you seen how easy you believe rejection? There is no doubt and unbelief inside. You believe it. There is assurance of it. The devil doesn't challenge that. But when you choose to believe, I'm loved, and believe in the love of God, doubt and unbelief arise. You see, so that is a good tip to have. The devil will only come to challenge you and put down the unbelief, shake up the truth. He did it with Jesus. Three times he said, if you are the son of God, if it is true, you see, three times. Each time, Jesus, he was so smart, he didn't argue with him. He didn't try to convince him. We spent our time trying to convince the devil of the, of the truth. Trying to convince him, no, in this, and you go into this wrestling match with him. And you go fighting him and trying to convince him and of it, when he's, he's never, he knows it is true. That's why he's bringing doubt and unbelief to still kill and destroy the truth. He knows that, but, you know, You can never, ever convince the devil or any demon. A lying spirit, you'll never convince him of anything. He can go on for days. He doesn't need coffee breaks. He can keep on going. He will wear you out. You will never wear him out. But Jesus did not waste his time trying to convince the devil 
of the truth. He simply said, it is written. And he said, what is written? It is written. And he quoted the scriptures. And the devil, because the devil knew that Jesus knew the truth of Psalm 29, the power of the voice of God. He quoted it. So he could not argue. He shut up. He brought up the second one. He did in three different areas. He brought up the second one. And then <clears throat> Jesus, again, didn't engage, did not argue, did not try to convince him. It is written. And he told him the word of God. See, all three times, and then the devil left. Immediately, the angels came to serve him, shifted the atmosphere. You see, she completely shifted the atmosphere. Angels came to serve, to minister to him after that. That's what we need. That's what we want. Angels to come and shift the atmosphere, minister to us, to strengthen us in time of weakness and need. But it depends on this. So Jesus let the word of God fight for him. And that's what we have to do. We need to let the word of God fight for him, for us. Instead of fighting doubt and unbelief, all you have to do is find refuge on it is written or God said. I am okay. I will be okay because it is written. That God is my, he will provide for me. That he's my father. That he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he's my healer. I'll be okay. You find refuge in it. It is written. And when the fear rises, it is written. And if you have a specific will in a prophecy about the situation, like Paul had with Agabus, and many of us can tell stories about it, then we use it, we find it. But God said, but I have this prophecy where God said that he is going to give me victory, that he's going to pay my debt, that he's going to give me a job, that he's going to bring my child home. You see, we find refuge in it. Because he said, and when, he, when the devil knows that you know, then he cannot argue with that. God said, the boss of all bosses, his boss said it. His creator and boss said it. Who is your father? Said it. And he left. That is what scripture means when it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You see, you submit yourself to God by going to, it is written, or God said. That's submitting yourself to God. That's submitting your situation to God. You take the problem and submit it to God. That's what it means, taking your thoughts captive. The thoughts of fear, of unbelief, that thought, tormenting thoughts, you just take them captive to, it is written. That by his stripes we are healed. Jesus took my diseases to the cross. That, you know, I'm the head and not the tail. You don't have to feel it for it to be true. It's true because the word of God is true. You just need to know it. And so, you see, when you find, you submit yourself to God by... It is written or God said. That's how you resist the devil. Instead of talking back to him, you go to it is written or God said. 
Resist him. Submit yourself to God. When you go to the word of God, you are resisting him. You turn your back to him. You don't need to explain anything to him. You don't need to justify anything to him. You don't have to make the devil understand anything. Don't waste your time arguing with him, trying to convince him. It is written, God said, I made him once. This lying spirit kept telling me about a situation I was going through. The circumstances were so bad and negative. I had a prophecy that I spoke about. I would go through something like that. And the things that would be. So I had the word, the word of God that says, he will give me victory, he will turn into good what the devil tend, intends for harm. But I also had... As prophecy. So it was just so intense, the pressure, that I got fed up. And I just said to the devil here, listen for yourself. And I played the prophecy and walked away. (laughs) So just listen. God sent. And and I turned out, I walked away. I said, I believe in this. So listen, and I don't have time for you. You see? And... You see, that is, submit yourself to God. Resist him, and he has to leave. It is written that it will happen. It's written. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Disease has to flee that way. Disease is there, but you submit yourself to God. What does the Bible say? Jesus paid the price. He bought my healing. You know, you just simply submit yourself to God. Those symptoms that arise and you are feeling, many are the afflictions of the just, but from them all God will deliver him. Submit yourself to God. Bring those symptoms, that situation, the back pain you have to that. Resist the devil, the spirit of disease, the spirit of sickness. Resist him, he will have to flee. You see, that's what my Bible says. I'm not making it up. It's written. You see, so that is living on earth as it is in heaven, but shifts the atmosphere. Fear leaves and peace comes. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. Angels will come to minister to you like the other night when Pastor Dave said, God said an angel came. I sent an angel last night. He believed God. And God sent an angel, and the next day he woke up and he had, Gold dust on his bed. It's still there. It's two nights. Slept there for two nights already, and the gold dust is still there. You see, from that angel that came. So you see, you resist the devil. So let the word of God fight for you. But here's the main, this big point I want to make. It's really, really important. For this to work, you have to believe. You actually have to believe it, not in your head, in your heart. If you believe in your heart, believe in the heart is the key. Believe in the heart. We all know in the head, we all believe in the head. That's knowledge. That's why it's called logos, the logos and the rhema. And we all know in our head. And so you can quote a scripture from the head. It's still powerful. It's still good. The word of God is good. Don't. I will never diminish that. But when you believe it in your heart, 
You see, that's when you are saved to all kinds of things. And even scripture says for salvation, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, not know in your head. You can believe in your head. My husband, Rowan, this is testimony of salvation. He kept praying the sinner's prayer, but nothing was happening because he was believing, he was doing it out of knowledge, believing in his head until I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit enlightened him because he kept saying, how come it doesn't work? Like, nothing is happening. It doesn't work. There's nothing. And there it was, believe. He remembered reading in a track, believe in your heart. And so he made the decision of believing my heart. And when he believed in his heart, he said that prayer. And Jesus walked in through the door and met him. See, it shifted the atmosphere. Heaven came, but believe in the heart. So we know in the head, we need to believe in the heart. That is, when you believe in the heart is what is called the rema word, is the revelation. Revelation means you feel it in your heart, you feel it in here. When you know God loves me in the head, but doesn't affect you here, you are acting out of knowledge. But when it's God loves me and you feel it in here, you are living in revelation. That is when you believe it. That's when you follow it. You only follow it when it becomes revelation in your heart. Otherwise, you don't follow. You follow what you believe. The tricky part is you believe. You follow what you believe because you trust what you believe. You trust what you believe. We follow what we trust. Where our trust is, that is where we will go. Whatever we trust, if you trust failure, you will live in failure, you will follow fa failure. If you believe in rejection and you trust rejection, that's what you will follow. You will not follow what God said. You see, and that is the challenge we have with this belief thing. Do you, when you hear the promises of God, when you read the scripture, where does it resonate within you? Is it just in your head I know, or does it resonate in your heart? It is here, I know it, I have it. I, yes, I know, I feel it in here, I feel it in me, I know. When it makes it to your heart, your soul knows, your mind, your will, your emotions know it's true because you are living out of revelation now, it's yours. And that's what you will follow. You see, you will follow that. You, you will trust it. When you believe it in here, you, that means you trust. Now you trust it, you follow. So that's the tricky part. So we have knowledge of so many things. And that is why many times you have the promises of God. You have all kinds of prophecies, but you are not walking them. Why are you not walking them if you know? Why aren't you walking them? If God said, uh, you see that we all deal with this, it's very easy to fix, but we all deal with this. If I know how come I cannot trust God in this, how come I cannot take the step, how come I cannot let go of this, how come I cannot, you know? And that simply means that, and you know, we get into guilt and condemnation because of that. And then, you know, I was going through that once. 
learning this, but it was a big I was dealing with. And I would tell somebody, I, I told somebody, uh, one of my leaders about it, and he just said, but the Bible says, but, and gave me a sermon pretty much about it. I know. I know everything the Bible says. That's the problem. I know. I've heard the sermons. How come I cannot live it? That means I cannot follow it. I know it. And so I stopped telling people and had this internal struggle forever, for years, holding me and guilt and condemnation. How come? Because it had not become revelation because there is something called experiential truth. And experiential truth blocks the transition between knowledge and revelation. Because you have another revelation, whatever you experience in that area. You see, so if you have experience, like I said, with fear, you can hear forever about peace and about safety and all of that. And you can read Psalm 91 all you want. It will not have effect in your life because you will not follow it. Because it is there. Because there is another revelation written you carry in your heart. Your heart believes something else because you experience something different. You experience fear. So the fear is your truth, is your revelation. You have knowledge of freedom, but you have experience of fear registered. That's your revelation. You see, so we have to always pay attention. What is in my heart? What is the revelation? What resonates in my heart? What do I feel about this, about this, about this? The Bible says, and you get bad news, and you say, yes, does what resonates inside? Did God say something, or the word of God, or is it the fear and all the struggles? What resonates? See, the good news is there is no condemnation. There is transformation. So what is it that needs to change? Where is your experience? So that it can change. And because faith is a currency in the kingdom of God. We know that. A currency means it's something that facilitates a transaction. On earth, American dollar, gold, silver, different things like that, they facilitate transactions. In heaven, there are some as well, obedience, faith, stewardship, you know, um, believing God, all kinds of things, are, are currencies. And this is a big currency. So we need to be able to make that transaction, that, that shift in our lives. So what is it that is blocking it so that we can do it because faith, is important. We have to have it. When we talk about faith, we get stuck many times on the spiritual words. But the application of faith, faith actually means trust. So if you're struggling to, how oh, do I have faith? I need faith. But if it sounds abstract, faith, faith, what is it really? Faith. Hebrews 1, depending on the version you read, make it makes it even more confusing. The essence of the things you cannot see, like really, and the, you know. It simply means, Hebrews 11 one means being convinced that what God said is going to happen. 
But faith is trust. You see, when you hear, put your faith in God, it means put your trust in him. That is faith, is trust in God. Simple. We can do that when we understand it, that it's faith, it's trust, it's our trust. You know, you can have faith in negative things. You, or you can have faith in money and not in God. You can have faith in, you know, sickness, not healing, because of experience. But, you know, faith meaning trust. Wherever you put your trust, that's your faith. But what you, what you trust is what you follow. That's the problem. That's what you follow. So, it's trust, but true trust, faith, true trust is not based on God's behavior, but on God's attributes. And we see, you see, we get caught in that. A lot of people put the trust or the faith in what God does or doesn't do. If he answers, we trust him. He answered the prayer, he didn't answer the prayer. He provided, he didn't provide. He did this, he didn't do it. We focus so much on what he does or doesn't do. God's behavior sometimes can be confusing to us. Because one day, he releases you out of the lion's den. So, we trust him, he's wonderful, giving breakthrough. The next day, he lets you go into the fire furnace. And let it be hit seven times. You know, and so now is he so good? Do we trust him still? But Isaiah 55 says that his plans and thoughts are higher than ours. They are impossible for us to understand. That is why we have to stop paying attention to what he did or didn't do. Because you will never ever trust him based on that because it can be confusing because his plans are different. They're always good, but they may not always look nice to go through them. Faith is based on his attributes. We trust his attributes, not his actions, his attributes. That is the, his character. That is his character. So the, er the areas of his character, his attributes, when we trust his attributes, we will have all, everything will align. We will have all the faith in the world. We will trust him because his attributes are the one thing that are absolutely 100% unchangeable. His attributes will never change. It's impossible. His behavior changes. Or, it changes regularly his behavior. He doesn't function in formulas. So we need to focus on his attributes. God's attributes, unchangeable, 100%. God is good. Don't focus on he does good. Focus on he is good. He is good, unchangeable. He is good. Because he's good, he does good. He doesn't do good because he, he's not good because he does good. He does good because he is good. He is good and changeable. So if we trust in that, 
It doesn't matter what we go through. We will be okay. We'll find refuge in him. We will be able to trust what is in the Bible. See, people don't trust the Bible because of that. They don't trust prophecies many times because of that. Because of the situations that he allows us, the circumstances of what he allows us to go through. See, again, behavior, God's behavior, and God's attributes. Because he is good. Whatever I'm going through has good purpose in it. Because he is good. I don't need to understand it. I trust his attribute of goodness. He is good and that is unchangeable. He is faithful. Faithful means trustworthy. He is faithful. And the Bible says it is impossible for him not to be faithful. Just he cannot not be. It's a double negative, I know. He cannot not be good. He cannot not be faithful. Just can't be, not be faithful. It is a fact of attribute. So we can put our faith in that. We can trust the fact that he is faithful. And no matter what happens, at the end, things are going to work out. He is faithful. It's okay. See, we can find our refuge. So we can trust what the Bible says because of his attributes. He's good. He's faithful. So it is written as a different power now, a different substance. Because of that, that prophecy has now a different meaning, a different power now in our lives. Because he is unchangeable in character, he said. He cannot not be faithful. That means what he said will happen somehow. But it will happen. What is written will happen. No matter, I wouldn't have to understand how it will happen. Because he cannot not be faithful. Attribute. He doesn't lie. Attribute. Character. It's impossible for him to lie. Absolutely impossible. So if he spoke and the Bible is true, we can trust him. Because he doesn't lie. Regardless of what circumstances make us feel. See, we can put our trust in that. It's okay. I'm following what God said. It'll be okay. He doesn't lie. He told me to do this. So it's okay. It will work out. He doesn't make mistakes. Attribute. Impossible. It is impossible for God to make a mistake. You see? And so we stand there. I remember being there one time. I actually said, God, I said to somebody, my sister, I said to her, you know, I'm so sorry, but... Up until now, God did pretty good, but he just, he made the first mistake of his life. And he did it with me. You see? And that's how I felt. Because of behavior, he allowed something that I didn't like to happen, happen. You see? But there is the realignment. So many times we quit before the breakthrough, the breakthroughs, because of these things. You see, I have been about to quit big things of destiny 
you know, because of the winds and the storms. But the only thing that kept me from not from doing it was this. Does God did God tell me to do this? Did God say it's you know, what does the Bible say? Is this in the Bible? Like God told me. And the Bible says attribute. He doesn't lie. It feels like he did, but he doesn't. He doesn't make mistakes. It feels like it's a mistake, but it isn't. He doesn't make mistakes because I know he told me to do this. So, trust. That is where you recalibrate and realign. You see? that he said, and he is. So, if he doesn't lie, I put my trust in that. He doesn't lie. I put my trust in he doesn't make mistakes. I am not going to quit. We keep on going. And that's where the miracles come. And God has fulfilled what he said, you know, and keeps doing it, and keeps doing it. I wish I would say it never happened again. I'm going through something else currently about that. So, you see, is that part. He's the Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. You see, which means... He started the promise, he will finish it. He is the Alpha and Omega in life, of course, the beginning and the end and all of that, but he's also Alpha and Omega is the author and finisher of our faith. And that's of our general faith from to salvation to eternity, but he's also the author of the faith of the promise he just gave you or the prophecy of every individual promise and the finisher of it, if we trust in him. You see, everything, whatever the journey is, no matter what happens, you, at the end, you will end up back at the beginning, the promise was fulfilled. Even though you went like this and like this, you will go back, beginning and end come together. The promise is fulfilled. The beginning and the end come together. Alpha and Omega. The Alpha initiates. The Omega goes ahead of you. He's in your future, preparing every step for you to be safe. We had my niece's wedding, and this was so brilliant because it became a, a, a massive God thing. And uh, she was in the... Uh, Flower, you know, a bride is a big deal. And she had the flowers and the florists had been arranged and everything. And it was everything according to what she had been dreaming since she was 10 years old. And so everything was set up. We were there for the wedding and, you know, she was preparing and everything. The florists had not come to decorate. And she had ordered a special arrangement. There was eight pieces of flowers made very specifically that came together and formed a special kind of background around like an arch, but on the floor. It was really cool. Anyway, and it was her dream. And it had not come to now. The florist had the wrong date. And there were no flowers. There was nothing. Of course, the bride was now in tears, and everybody is there, and everybody is trying to encourage her, of course, and, and everybody is on the phone and trying to see what they could do, and we are now three hours from the wedding, and this isn't going to happen. I mean, that arrangement, there is absolutely no way it could ever happen. And at that moment, um, 
another the florist of the place, the venue where they had, they made the bouquets. So the girl came to deliver the bouquets, and the, my brother-in-law, the father of the bride, was there, talked to the girl about it, and said, is there anything you guys could do to help us? Her shop had that very arrangement made, all eight pieces sitting in the back of the shop for no apparent reason. Ex exactly what she wanted. Bigger and better roses and flowers. And they gave them to her for free. It was $2,300. She had paid, yes, it was her dream. It was a lot of money. It was her dream. And they gave it to her for free. The shop, the employees came over, carried them, from half an hour away, brought everything. One of them was faulty. They drove back, brought everything, set it up, and she had it all done. And I looked at her. When everybody was trying to comfort her, I simply came and said to her, God went ahead of you, and he made a plan. Because I know, I trust this attribute of Alpha and Omega. If he is the Omega, that means he has gone ahead and he has made a plan and prepared it. He saw this will happen, and he made a plan. And I said to her, honey, don't you worry. It is going to be better than you planned. Just trust and wait and trust. I promise you, you're going to be amazed what will happen in the next three hours. He is the Omega. See, find refuge in that. And two hours, two and a half hours later, I said to her, now look, now you are encountering an amazing, two amazing attributes of your God, the Alpha and the Omega. He went ahead of you for your wedding. He prepared that, those flowers. He sent that woman at that moment. He made it all happen so that it could be. And by saving money, they could another plan could come to pass. There was something they desperately needed, the exact same amount of money for and didn't have it. And they were saying, Lord, we need you to provide for this. Something else that happened, unexpected, and there it was. You see, that is the Omega. Who goes ahead. So, all I want to, I want to finish with this. There are times when we are in that place because you have experienced things in life that are blocking that revelation because your revelation is different. Your revelation is fear of failure, is abandonment, is rejection, is whatever. You cannot put your trust in God, in that area. You may be in some areas, but not in those other areas. It is okay if that's where you are at. We all deal with this. We have an amazing story in John 20, 24 to 29, where we see the heart of God. 
And in there we see the story of Thomas. And we know what happened. The disciples saw Jesus be imprisoned, tortured, killed, and buried. That's experiential revelation, experiential truth. They saw it. That's a truth that cannot be taken from them. It's true. It happened. And that's what happens in life that many times, see, what you live is the truth. That knowledge doesn't change. Experience changes experience. <laughs> Sometimes you just need experience. You need experience to change the experience that you carry in your heart. In whatever area it is. So there he is. And there they are. All the 11 disciples left. It's true, it happened. No one can tell them it wasn't true. They had the scriptures of all saying, the promises of Isaiah about the resurrection, about the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. They already had that. They had the prophecies, they had the scripture, they had the prophecies. And they had the teachings of Jesus himself that told them and taught them what was going to happen. In spite of that, that experience pushed that away. That's what happens to us. You can know all these things, but experience becomes the louder voice and pushes away the prophecies, you, the prophecies, the, what the, even what the Bible says. You cannot embrace it because you live through something. And you have to be mindful of this. So they went through that. And then one day after the resurrection, Jesus came to change the experience. They needed an experience because they had the knowledge that the Messiah would resurrect. They knew that Jesus said, on the third day I will come back and I will. But that didn't. Stating knowledge, you see, it needed to come to revelation. The experience of the crucifixion and the burial became the truth they were living. They actually w walked away and went to fishing again. Remember? So there he is. And he came to change the experience. Showed them the holes in the hands and his feet on the side and ate, even ate with them. Now, that changed it. Changed the experience. Now they knew in here. It pushed away what they had lived and brought back the scriptures, brought back the teachings, brought back the prophecies into here, into Revelation. Now they could follow it. But Thomas missed the coffee date. He wasn't there. And when he came back, the other 11 told him. They gave him the testimony. He said, you can even hear testimonies, but it doesn't affect you. Because you have a different experience in your heart. So they heard that story. We had coffee with him. And he was here. And we ate together. And we, you know, he had the holes. He had everything. And it was amazing. And then he could not join in and say, hooray. Yeah, oh, it's now he's done. Yes, he couldn't. Because he had experienced. He buried him. He saw him come down of the cross. It was powerful. 
hearing them say his, that wasn't good enough, that didn't do it for him. That's what we experience. That didn't do it for him. So he said, unless I put my fingers in the holes of his hands on the side, I will not believe it. He was saying, I need to experience the opposite. I need to taste and see that it is true. I need to know for myself, I need to taste and see. The amazing thing is that Jesus was not offended or upset by that. He came back to meet Thomas one day. He came when Thomas was around just for him. And he said to him, Thomas, here I am. This is what you need. I came to give it to you. He said, put your finger in, my, in, my, in the holes of my hands on the side. And this is the most beautiful thing when we see the heart of our Father. He just said, do it so you don't doubt anymore. If this is what you need not to doubt, I'll give it to you. No problem. Here I am. Do it. I will give you what you need so you don't doubt anymore. He wasn't angry. He wasn't upset. He didn't say, seriously, Thomas, you had the writings of the prophets. You had all the prophecies. You read, studied the scriptures because they had to. They studied the scriptures in, in the, that culture. You know the scriptures. And everything the law says and the scriptures say, and I told you, I taught you about my teachings. And you still don't believe what is wrong with you. He didn't say that. See, there is no condemnation. He came and said, this is what you need. Here it is. I'll give it to you. And that is so inspiring to us. And I want to say tonight is, what do you need to believe? In the areas where you can't believe. What the Bible says. In the areas where you can't believe what God has told you. In the areas where you can't believe your, your prophecies or portions of it. What do you need? Ask like Thomas did. Thomas said, I, this is what I need. Unless this happens, I can't believe. What do you need? You see, what are you not unable to walk? See, again, it is not the believing of the head. You can say, I believe this and that. It is what you can't follow or what you cannot follow. What are you unable to follow? That is it, what we need to fix. You see, it's not fighting the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist him. He will go away. But to submit yourself to God, you need to trust that what he's saying is true. We need this in order to do that. To make him our refuge. To make him our strength. You see, so... As we finish this portion right now, we will do some ministry. But I want to release over you, over this house, over Pastor Dave, Dave and Ina, you know, the reality of Psalm 91. Because as we do this, this is what we get. This is about making him our shelter. 
our refuge, our hiding place. He said, it is written, therefore I will be okay. It doesn't matter what comes. It's fine, he said. It is written. See, and the more we do it, the easier it is. A stress falls away. And if it comes, you just recalibrate. You realign and you breathe and you stop and say, okay. But what does the Bible say again? You know, find it and recalibrate. What does the Bible say? What the prophecy say? What do I believe? Am I believing the lies of the thoughts coming to my mind right now? Because when you're struggling with something, the lies that the devil bombards you with, you have to make a choice. Is God good or not? Is he faithful or not? I know he is. Do you know it in here? Not in here. If you don't know it in here, taste and see. You see, but you know, that's how we overcome that, the evil one. You know, I have all these thoughts, but is that what the Bible says? Is that what my prophecies say? So instead of entertaining them, take them captive. This is what God, it is written. Because you can make those negative thoughts your refuge. And then the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. So right now, as we do this in our lives and our hearts, Will you stand with me right now? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your kindness, for you are the Alpha and the Omega, for you are good and you have gone ahead of us and you have gone ahead of river of life. And you have gone ahead of every person who is hearing my voice right now. You have gone ahead. And you are. You have gone into our future. And you have seen every step, every stone, every stick, every area of trouble, every crooked way. And you have made a straight path for us and for this house. For you are good for you are true, for you have declared and you have proclaimed your will. So, Father, we know. So tonight, we want to repent, Father, for the areas of our lives in which we have had other refuges, where we have had a different stronghold. A stronghold is a place of protection. But a stronghold is actually a train of thought. That's what's called a stronghold. It's a train of thought that you follow. See, that's a stronghold. What is your stronghold in every area when it comes to the truth of God, when it comes to circumstances? What is your train of thought about finances? What is your train of thought about health what is, or, or sickness? What is your train of thought about your family? What is your train of thought about your identity? What is your train of thought about marriage? What is your train of thought about work? And so many things, we can go through a list longer than life about this. What is your train of thought? 
that is your refuge, your stronghold. And if we don't change them to godly ones, it becomes a demonic stronghold. And that is what the problem is. You see, when that happens, now it's a different power when you have no, you lose control now. It controls you. You can have an emotional stronghold, or you can have a spiritual, a demonic stronghold, or you can have a godly, heavenly stronghold. You see that amazing cave of Adullam to give you refuge. So right now, Father, we want to repent. And I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will give us revelation of all our strongholds, all our places of refuge in our lives, in every situation. When a problem comes with your child, what is your refuge? What train of thought do you follow? When a problem arises at church, what is your train of thought to your finances? Where do you go? Where do you run? You follow the train of thought because you trust it. What the, that's where your trust is. So, Father, right now we repent for that together. And, Father, right now we just say we are tired of trying to convince the devil that you are good and you are true. We're tired of fighting, trying to convince the circumstances. We have a higher way of life and doing it. We have the sword of God. So right now, Father, we want to reset our fullness of life. This covers everything. We choose to reset right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we choose to reset everything you have sent. And Father, we thank you that it is written, those who live in the shelter of the Most High, and I declare this over this house tonight with authority given to me, I declare this upon you. You, you, because I know this house does. I know the pastors and the leaders of this house do. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, God said, it is written, his attributes are true, will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Listen to this. His promises, these are scriptural promises. These are prophetic promises. Are your armor and your protection for those who live in the shelter of the Most High. Therefore, do not be afraid of the terrors of night, of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midnight, at midday. Though a thousand fall on your side, at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. And see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if the most 
If you make the most high your shelter, only he alone, not multiple shelters. He's not one of many, he's the only one. No evil will conquer you. This is complete victory, depends on this. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your toe on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. The demonic and the devil will run away from you. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. In the name of Jesus, I declare this truth and I release that blessing into the atmosphere of this house, of everyone who is hearing my voice right now, over Pastor David and Pastor Aina right now, and the family, in the name of Jesus, and you, are, this house is the family. There are father and a mother in this house, and this, and even those who are not here tonight. And I release this and put a call on the prodigals that will come back into this house in the name of Jesus. For God does not lie. His word is true. And because of that, in the confidence of God's word, right now I break off the attacks. Every single attack that you are going through, you have been through in the past, and you are going through right now, individually and corporately, I just break them off. For God said he will give you victory. It is written that he will give you victory. It is written that you will overcome. It is written that you will see the fulfillment of God's promises. It is written, God will reward you and he will bless you. He will lift you up for he's the lifter of your head. He will make it work out and I declare that in the atmosphere. And therefore, I take authority over every demonic stronghold and a spiritual stronghold right now. I speak to all spiritual, emotional strongholds and I just break off all the emotional beings learned behaviors that you learn even from your parents of worrying about everything, of being stressed about everything, of the negative things and seeking them many times. I break off strongholds of abuse in the name of Jesus. I break off, break off every, whether it is demonic strongholds or emotional strongholds that were formed through experience or learned behavior in the name of Jesus right now. And I release you for Jesus paid the price for our freedom. This is not optional. If we believe him, it is the truth. It is the truth whether we believe it or not. But if you believe it, it becomes your truth and everything in you will follow that path. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. I speak to every tormenting spirit that has been working against you and against this house to live in the name of Jesus. I command right now fears and anxieties, torments of the night, in Jesus' mighty name, for 
God's children who have trust in God and make him his shelter and his re their refuge cannot be touched by the evil one. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the sound of victory over this house and over everyone who is hearing my voice. In Jesus' name, and I speak right now to sickness and infirmity to live. To sickness and infirmity to live, for that is a tormenting spirit. That is a demonic spirit. And as we prayed earlier for Pastor Dave right now, we release and call forth right now the word of God to arise within him and the promises God has given him and the impartation he has received in the name of Jesus. And we command right now the afflictions to live. For he, has, he, he cannot be sick. Jesus paid the price. But it is written that many will be the afflictions of the righteous, but from them all God will deliver him. That is a refuge and a strength that we have, and we declare that over Pastor Dave right now, freedom from this affliction that is happening right now. And I declare that over every one of you right now, all of us, freedom from afflictions in the name of Jesus, freedom from afflictions. And I bless you and I challenge you today to search your refuge in that area. Where is your refuge? What's your train of thought? Yes, I know, but, you know, what is your, your truth in your heart? What you feel down here, that is your refuge. So I bless you in the name of Jesus to receive inheritance. It is time to arise for the fullness of inheritance. And the Holy Spirit is here to make it happen. Dear Holy Spirit, one last thing. I pray for every Thomas in the room. And I ask you, you encountered Thomas that day, and you showed us through that your heart about it. There is no condemnation. But I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, as, they, as you search hearts, that you will show them what they need. Because many of them don't even know, most don't even know what is it that they need to believe in the areas where they need, where they don't believe in the heart. So would you give them the experience that they need, whatever it is, so that they don't doubt anymore. That is the heart of our Father. I will give you what you need so you don't doubt anymore what God has said what it is written so in Jesus name right now with authority given to me I release a shift in the atmosphere and I command right now a shift in the atmosphere for the word of God is true and we believe it and is believed in this house and I declare it right now over every household in this place in Jesus name and over all your circumstances will come into alignment to the will of God. I bless God's will over your lives. I bless God's will for that is true and it is final. His will is true. So I bless you with confidence, peace, joy, and righteousness to come into your hearts. That's where you find it when you make him your refuge. He will hide you in the day of adversity and set you up in a high place 
for you, it put you out of danger and safety until he defeats your enemies for you, like he did with King Jehoshaphat. May you arise stronger than you were before. May you overcome in every situation. May you walk in freedom and joy, for it is God's will to fulfill everything that it is written and everything he has said. And I say that with assurance and confidence of the God who is our Father, the God I know, the God I serve, for I am a witness of his reality. He is true, and he is good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.